time is a resource. And on this week's podcast, we're going to show you how you can use automation to make more of it. This is Using the Whole Whale, a podcast that brings you stories of data and technology in the nonprofit world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to episode 53, where we're talking with Joe Moran, the Senior Director of Communications at the True Colors Fund, a great organization working to end homelessness, youth homelessness uh, in the LGBT community. The sad fact that they, they've come across is that 40% of uh, homeless youth identify as LGBT, and the general population trends at about 7%. So th- there's a clear issue here. What's amazing, not only about their mission, but is their method. And their ability to like really leverage with a small team a tremendous amount of tools like If This Then That and Zapier to automate so many different processes that you know take up these mundane tasks, uh, I think really help them do high leverage work with the staff they have. Uh, Joe is kind enough to share tons of tips and tricks, and there'll be a lot of show notes. So don't worry if this goes pretty quickly uh, through these different tools. I just want you to get an idea of what's possible and to take a little inventory of, uh, you know, what kind of tasks maybe you're doing that you could have the machines do. All right, let's get into it. On the phone with Joe Moran, the Senior Director of Programs and Communications at the True Colors Fund. Joe, how's it going? Good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so happy you could join us. Uh, You really caught my ear um, when I heard you talking about automation software and how, how like far down the road you have gone with like automating everything that you possibly can with different tools, which we'll get into. But first, who are you and uh, what exactly do you do? My name is Joe Moran and I'm the Senior Director of Programs and Communications at the True Colors Fund, which means I wear many hats. Um, I manage all of our communications, marketing, um, and information technology um, that we use. And I also lead all of our digital programs and the digital aspects of our programs that are not exclusively digital. Um, so many hats. Um, it's fun. It's challenging. And uh, I love it. So you're just saying you guys have a small team over there, about 11 people. And can you tell us a little bit more about what the True Colors Fund does? Yeah, uh, the True Colors Fund was launched in 2008 uh, by our co-founder, Cindy Lauper of Girls Just Want to Have Fun fame. Um, And we are working to end homelessness among lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender youth in America. Um, Up to 40% of youth experiencing homelessness identify as LGBT, whereas Uh, less than 7% of the general youth population identifies as LGBT. So there's a huge disparity there, and we're trying to close that gap. Uh, We're a small team, 11 people. Uh, We all wear many hats. We're a national organization, so many of us travel, and um, we really rely on technology to keep our team together, make sure that we're able to collaborate, share ideas, and stay on target. Gotcha. And what is your sort of method of approach with regard to this, you know, big, hairy, audacious goal? 
Um, well, with uh, with ending LGBT youth homelessness, uh, we're really focused on community organizing, um, and we do a lot of digital community organizing because we are a small team and we can't be everywhere. Um, so we work within communities to help them foster innovative partnerships um, to help prevent and end youth homelessness in their communities. We also advocate within the government, both federal and on the state level, and we collaborate with youth every year we have a youth fellowship training program where we take youth from across the country and we do some um, advocacy training, some uh, digital training, and they go back into their communities and they implement their programs and then they report back at our summit uh, in the fall. So we do a wide range of things, uh, but really what we're about is collaborating um, both in the online and offline space. Gotcha. So this probably is a good segue to figure out like, well, you're doing things offline, you're doing things online. How do you how do you measure this uh, and what sort of metrics actually matter to you guys? Uh, well, there's so many metrics nowadays. It's really hard to figure out which ones to focus on. Uh, for instance, we just held our second annual 40 to None Day, which is a national day to raise awareness about LGBT youth homelessness. And as with any awareness day, Folks want to know, what was our reach? How many people did we reach? And um, this year we reached 98 million people, which, which sounds like a lot. But really what that is, is it's a vanity metric. Um, it sounds really good. Um, and we unfortunately, we have to use that because that's what all the other national days do. So to in order to be able to make a comparison, we have to figure that out. Um, but really all that means is... Uh, folks shared our content and it potentially had the potential to reach 98 million people. It, it didn't actually, we, we can't measure the fact that it actually reached 98 million people and that they actually did anything with that content. So um, I try to focus as much as possible, not on vanity metrics, even though that's what people often want to hear. Um, so with our awareness day, I'm really focused on how many people shared our content, how many active users actually downloaded one of our unselfie signs, snapped a photo, and posted it online. Um, so the people who actually took action on that day, um, which folks actually signed up for our thunderclap, which folks took a pledge to take action on that day, which communities um, reached out to their elected officials and had proclamations for 40 to none day. Um, so we're really focused on, the, on those actions. Um, sometimes they're a little difficult to measure, uh, but we, uh, for this day, we used a, a service called keyhole.co and they were able to provide us with not only the vanity metrics, but also how many active users we had sharing our content, how many posts were made, etc. Um, on a, like throughout the rest of the year, we have other online programs. We have an online professional network of folks, awesome folks uh, across the country who are doing awesome things to address LGBT youth homelessness. Um, that network has a mobile app. So we not only measure how many people are downloading the mobile app, but how many people are actively using it. Often people will download an app and forget that it's on their phone. So we want to know who's actively logging in and interacting with folks. Um, and part of that network is uh, an online learning platform that we launched. So we not only want to know how many people enrolled in those online courses, but who completed the courses and also what their grades were when they completed the courses. So we can figure out um, what their learning experience has really been like. Wow, that's a lot of, a lot of items you're balancing there. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, like I said, there, there are a lot of, of things to measure. So we really try to focus on the things that matter most to us at that particular time and that really align with our strategic goals as an organization. So talk to me about what the, the roll-up metric looks like. What are the, like the, the, the North Star KPIs that you're looking at, right? Because if you're tracking 50 things, you're tracking no things ultimately, right? You're like, you're being led by effectively no things at that point. Right. We're all project managers here. Everyone, I, I've trained everyone on project management. So each of us have our own KPIs for our own programs. Um, so the ones that I just talked to you through were the, the programs that I'm leading. F- like I said, for our online learning platform, it's really about measuring how much people are actually learning and what they're going to be able to do with that knowledge when they leave. So not so much about logins, but about grades when they take a quiz. Um, we do once a month uh, do a, a mass dump of all of our metrics just so we can see uh, throughout the year how our programs are doing and identify trends that we may not be paying attention to. So that's everything from Facebook likes and shares and comments to uh, PDF downloads on our website to um, uh, views on, on YouTube to um, active sessions on our, on our website. Gotcha. So it sounds like you've customized uh, these leading metrics for each individual uh, role or, let's say, purpose of the organization. Uh, and at the top, you sort of have a, a an idea of engagement, right? So you're, it looks like you're looking for not just, are you, did you see this thing like a highway sign, but did you engage with it in some meaningful way? Exactly. We, we're really focused on the actions that folks take, um, like the I shouldn't say the actions they take because um, liking something is an action, but for us, sharing our content is more important than someone liking it because that's showing that we're actually potentially reaching more people. And if our goal is public awareness, we want to reach as many people as possible. So the act of actually sharing something is helping us forward our mission. Yeah, sure. How often are you uh, looking at these data to, to inform how your sort of programs are working or your strategies are unfolding? Well, for social media and our websites, we um, we look at that once a week, and we have an awesome community manager here on staff who reports back to the staff and lets everyone know uh, our top three posts on Facebook, our top three tweets, and uh, the top three pages on our website. Um, and we have a, a discussion about that. So we focus on those things once a week, and then once a month we focus on big picture. So that includes our email signups, open rates, click-through rates and emails, um, all the pages on our website, uh, the actions on our website, sign-up forms, downloads, um, and then all of the, the various social media platforms that we're on. So we, we, we make sure that we log all of that once a month. And your uh, and in your candid opinion, like that's a lot of information, a lot of activity. Um, are you able to analyze and then act on on those data, or is it like we know we're saving it, we're going to tap into it and, and do some smart things soon? Um, I'd love to say that we use all of it, um, and we probably collect more information than we really need. Um, but I have a dream that at some point we'll really be able to <laughs> to focus on on these things and. Um, for me, 
I'm thinking about data that I wish I was collecting a couple of years ago that I wasn't, and I'm kind of kicking myself for it. So um, I'm not trying to store everything. I don't see the value in storing everything. Um, we're really focused on those um, key metrics for each platform and making sure that we're capturing those those once a month. That's awesome. Like I think it's so important to like just frankly acknowledge it. And thanks for being honest about it. You know, because people listening are like. Oh my God! They're like on top of all their things. What the what the heck is a keyhole? Where do I find one of those? Uh, oh yeah, right? no. I mean, for me, I just I think as any nonprofit communications professional probably knows, um, there's never enough time. There's never enough. Um, there are never enough resources. Um, we're doing the best we can with what we have, and we're trying to. Um, implement processes where we can just to make sure that we're staying on track and we're not letting things slip through the cracks. But we're all wearing so many hats that there's no way we could focus on all this stuff. Yeah, you can report on it for the for the big numbers, but looking at it, you got to pick your battles. But I think it's an important thing you said. I want to go back to you really quickly. You know, you're kicking yourself being like, ah, oh, damn it, we didn't have the proper data hygiene, uh, you know, two years ago to get get this information so I don't have like longitudinal re-engagement. Like I can't tell how many people, for instance, I'm just guessing, you know, ha have taken two, three, four actions with us because we didn't start doing this in this way. If you could go back in that time machine mm -hmm. and say like, oh man, we weren't recording things in the right way. And what would you have you set up differently? Obviously, you know, you couldn't necessarily have the time to analyze it, but if you could go back, how would you change how you structured, how you gathered things initially? Well, um, here at the True Colors Fund, we're using a bunch of different platforms that integrate with one another rather than um, an all-in-one package, which has its pluses and minuses. Um, what's great about what we're doing is that we can have an email service provider that has all the bells and whistles that we want, and we're you know we're not um, we're not tied to what the vendor is using or forcing us to use. But then what winds up happening is um, we don't have all the data feeding into our main database, which right now is in Salesforce. So over the past couple of years, we didn't have a clear connection between actions on our website and Salesforce. Um, so if someone signed a petition or if someone signed up um, to join our email list or if they completed a form of some kind, whether it be a, a session submission for our our annual summit or an application for one of our programs, we weren't capturing that information. Um, so now we actually have the tools in place to do that. I, I wish we had that a couple of years ago, um, but it's unfortunately one of um, the aspects of how our systems are currently set up. Gotcha. So as we move uh, a little bit more into sort of like we've talked about some of these, like, oh, I use Thunderclap, I use Keyhole. Um, which obviously we'll put all in the show notes, folks. Don't worry about that. Uh, but you really uh, are using some tools to automate systems and processes. Can you talk about some of your like recipes uh, and tactics for using automation to like basically do the work of like what it sounds like ten people? Yeah, totally. I, I mean, <clears throat> as most folks who work at nonprofits probably know, um, we're all wearing many hats. We're all doing everything all the time um, and we don't have uh, the time to really foster meaningful relationships with our staff and our supporters or at least as much as we'd like to. So often what we're caught doing is these repetitive tasks um, that take up our time when really we could be automating those processes. So one of the tools that I like to use is IFT. Um, 
it's it's an acronym if this then that i f t t t dot com um and it's i think it's the best way to get into automation for someone who's new to it it's really user friendly um it's a really beautiful experience and really what it does is it connects two applications that would not normally talk to one another <clears throat> so for instance um if you post an image on instagram it can also post that same image as a native image on twitter um, if you post an image on instagram you could also have it save that image to a Dropbox folder, et cetera. So what we've used it for here is um, for curating Twitter lists. So anyone who uses a hashtag for one of our campaigns automatically gets added to a Twitter list, which I think is one of the most underutilized parts of Twitter. And I wish Twitter made it more front and center. But um, that's that's a different story for a different day. Um, another way that we're using Ift is um, tracking our Bitly links. We have a custom Bitly short link that we use. Not everyone has access to our Bitly account, but we want our staff to have access to the short links that we've created. So whenever we create a Bitly link, Ift logs that link in a Google spreadsheet. And everyone on the team has access to that Google spreadsheet so that we're all using the same links when we're sharing it and we can, active, we can um, more accurately track our metrics with those links. Um, another way we like to use Ift is if we are running a campaign, um, Often our employees at our organizations are our greatest brand advocates. So we've set up a trigger where whenever a social media post gets published that contains a specific hashtag, everyone on the team gets an email asking them to share it. Um, so we're, we're taking out a lot of the, the, the middleman stuff and we're, we're leaving that up to the automation service to handle. So that's IFT. Ift is great. It's free. It also has some limitations. Um, you can only have one account per service on your Ift account. So if you are using multiple Twitter accounts, you can't connect all of them. So you have to have multiple Ift accounts, which can be difficult to manage. Um, and the automations don't happen in real time all the time. Um, they could take up to 15 minutes. So you really have to look at it and 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 assess what how best your organization can use it. Um, for those who would like a little bit more than Ift has to offer, there's another service called Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R. It has almost double the apps of Ift, and it also has multi-step automations. So for instance, if someone fills out a form on your website, it can update that user's subscriber information in your MailChimp account. It can then update their Salesforce contact information, and then it could then also create a task in your project management software for one of your staff to follow up with them. So it can get really complicated, um, but these tools are really user-friendly, um, especially Zapier. It has a drag-and-drop interface. Um, the downside with Zapier is that it does cost money. It's not free. Um, they do have a free plan, but you don't get all the bells and whistles. Uh, but they do offer a 15% nonprofit discount. So that's definitely something to check out. Yeah. Wow. Um, really rattling through. So yeah. I'm kind of curious as we if people are hearing this, they're like, it's like there's like a sad irony here in my mind. I'm like, oh, I totally do all those things. If I had the time, which ironically you're saving, talk to me right. about like the time account. How much time does this take? Versus like when when do I get my return on investment, right? When when is my break even on time and with regard to these tools and setting them up? 
Yeah, actually, I think with these tools, um, most of the time is spent figuring out how, you, how you're going to use them. Setting them up is actually really easy. You could set up a trigger in five minutes. Um, if you're setting up a multi-step um, automation through Zapier, it can take you know 15 to 30 minutes because you do want to do some testing. You don't want to test on a live account, by the way. Um, I've made that mistake before. Um, always have uh, sample accounts that you can test with. I always like to create accounts for my pets because <laughs> nobody's going to judge them if something funky shows up on their accounts because they're dogs. Um, so that's something I like to do um, before it goes live on our organization account. Um, but I think I think it definitely pays off in the long run, um, especially if you're using it to log information in a spreadsheet. That gets really tedious. Um, it can really interrupt your flow uh, throughout the day if you're constantly having to, to move data around. I'd much rather have one of these services do that for me than do it manually. So maybe like the tell is like, in a given day, how many times do you press Control C, Control V, Control C, Control V, click? Yeah, totally. I don't think you want to go automation crazy, <laughs> and it can be really easy to do that. Especially these these tools are so fun and easy to use. You can get really caught up in it. So before even venturing off into there, I would make a list of all the repetitive tasks that you do throughout the day and figure out. What do I really not need to be doing on my own? If I had a robot in the office that could do it for me, which of these tasks would I assign to the robot? And then you can take on everything else. Um, the list for the robot you should check out after Zapier and see if there's a way that you could automate those processes using the systems that you're using. I love that. So we sort of have this approach of saying, all right, go around the office and say, like, what is, what is it that you do that is like repetitive in nature that you feel could be potentially automated, and then. Once we have those ideas, let's look at the tools, and then ultimately the, the the coding and programming of it. You said it took you five minutes. Yeah, I mean it's 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 really simple, and I I, I know I'm a techie, and I'm more comfortable in these um, with, with these kinds of software. But I've had other people on my team check it out, and they're totally new to it, and they were they were blown away with how simple and straightforward it is, especially Ift. Ift, it's you know every. Everything you're doing on the screen is huge. It's very visual, and it's it walks you through the entire process. So, how did you? How would you get started? So, someone's listening right now, and they're like, "Oh boy, where do I begin? What is the like best bang for your buck? Where's the value?" Um, and they said, "Like, I love that hack with the Twitter list. Freaking brilliant! I think you automatically added me to a list at one point because we were at the <laughs> conference, and all of a sudden, I was like, I'm on a list." <laughs> very cool. I mean, that's like in a in a nutshell, like a must-have in a social media strategy, brilliant. But someone's listening right now, and what is the like biggest bang for your buck ROI uh, with regard to one of these automation tools and a good way to start? Well, I think um, aside from making the list and figuring out um, how you are most effectively wasting your time every day, I think if you go to ift.com or zapier.com, they both have collections of recipes that other folks have already made. So I would spend some time on there and, and scroll through and see if any of those things inspire you and if you can copy any of those. Um, they make it really easy uh, to discover to discover automations that you may not have even thought of. So I would check out the websites and, and see what, what pops out at you. Um, there are a lot of really cool ways that folks can be using IFT, and I'd love to see the nonprofit sector doing more of it. Um, for instance, there's a weather channel. Um, so if the temperature drops below a certain 
temperature. You can have an email automatically go out to all of your staff who work outdoors, letting them know to bundle up or bring specific supplies. Um, if you're hosting an event and it's a fundraiser event, you can actually automate the lights. So. Um, Hue, the Philips Hue light bulbs are internet connected and you can, get, you can connect it to your database. So once you reach your fundraising goal, the color of the lights can change, they can flicker. You can do all sorts of really cool stuff to automate the real world around you, not just working in spreadsheets and on Twitter. So I think make the list of things that you're wasting your time with and check out the galleries and see what sticks out. Yeah, very cool. What are other some of your Give us a couple more wish list or uh, awesome sort of things that you're really, you know, patting yourself on the back for creating automations around. Well, recently we got into email automation, and I think we see that a lot in the in the for-profit sector, but nonprofits have not quite gotten on board yet. Um, we use MailChimp as a paid customer, so we um, have access to their automation tool. So we've created a, a welcome email series for anyone who signs up on our website as a fundraiser. So they receive an email with a toolkit that gives them some tips on who to reach out to um, in their, with their family and friends and in their communities. And then a few days later, they'll get another email gently nudging them to reach out to their extended contacts, um, and then another email offering more advice. So that's helped folks along in the process. And the open rates on those emails are significantly higher than eBlast that we send out to our entire list. So I would say upwards of 50 to 75% open rates, which is pretty fantastic. Um, we also created a welcome series for folks who sign up for our online professional network um, that walk them through all the different features because it's very robust and we can't just throw it all on a page and a website. It would be way too much. So we like to drip out that information little by little. Um, and with 40 to None Day, we had partner organizations sign up to take specific actions. And there was an email series that went out that reminded them only about the specific actions that they signed up for. And those emails came from people on our staff who were managing that part of, of the process. So it was much more personalized. And if they responded, it went to the right person. Um, so we're really excited about that. Um, we've not been using it so much for marketing, but more for onboarding. Wow, how did you set up that level of customization through MailChimp? Um, well, with MailChimp, we have, um, getting real technical here, but we have a WordPress website and one of the plugins we use is Gravity Forms, which has a Salesforce um, and MailChimp add-on. So whenever somebody fills out one of those forms, depending on the checkboxes that they select, they get added to MailChimp groups. Um, and, and then the groups can have custom automation emails. Yeah. Emails. Yep. Yep, yep. And those emails come from the person on, on our staff that's managing that particular part. So we had someone on staff that was managing um, the movie screenings and then someone on our staff who was leading the proclamation process with elected officials. So if they replied to that email, it went to the right person, which was really great. Wow, that's an incredible time savings right there and just such great uh, nurturing strategy uh, so I want to go to actually a different tool that you mentioned earlier that I think you used in the 40 to none campaign, Thunderclap. Can you tell us a bit about how you're using Thunderclap uh, strategically and, and what the results were? 
Yeah, we used Thunderclap for the first time last year for the very first 40 to none day. And I think it actually was... I have to interrupt here. So you, can you explain what the heck Thunderclap is? People are like, what? Why is he talking about the weather? Oh, yeah, totally. No, Thunderclap <laughs> has nothing to do with the weather. No, it's an awesome tool um, that allows folks to blast out the same message at the same time on the same day for maximum impact. Um, so the way it works, it's very much like a crowdfunding platform, only it's not about money. It's about social influence. So basically, our supporters would go to our Thunderclap page and they would sign up and a social media post would be scheduled for 40 to none day to go out at a particular time. Um, and then if we reach our goal of 500 supporters, then the message would go out. If we didn't reach our goal, the message would not go out. So it's almost um, like a Kickstarter campaign, but just about social influence, not about money. Um, so it actually, I think it had the greatest impact on the reach of the day because it ensured that at least 500 people were going to post at that time on that day. And it actually helped us trend on Twitter for the first time this year, which was really cool. It's like every communication nerd's dream is to trend on Twitter. Um, so that was really cool. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Hashtag join the club. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Thunderclap, check it out, thunderclap.com. Um, they have a free one. And if you want to get um, the data, from it, you need to pay. So we paid, we wound up paying 500 bucks, but we got the list of folks who signed up with their email addresses so that we can follow up with them afterwards. But you could do it for free. Oh, that's great. All right. So I want to move into our rapid fire uh, round. I know we don't have too much time left here. So um, for our rapid fire, uh, what is one tech tool or website you've uh, or you started using in the last year that you absolutely love? We uh, switched from our donation uh, processing platform that we were using to Classy, and Classy's awesome for a number of reasons, but we especially like it because it integrates with Salesforce and MailChimp, which are two other services we use. Cool. All righty. Uh, talk about a mistake that you have made recently. Well, I actually made a mistake with automation. Um, I was playing around with it. And with IFT, and I set up an automation on our live account um, for tweeting out new blog posts from our partner organizations, not realizing that our one of our partner organizations posted a lot of blogs. So our entire Twitter feed for that day was blogs from a completely different organization. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah was, remember, this is the cool. one case where it's okay to test on your pets' accounts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Alrighty, what would it take for your organization to successfully go out of business? Um, it would mean that no young person is homeless due to their sexual orientation or gender identity. We know we can't prevent fa families from rejecting their kids, but we can ensure that if they do leave the home, that they can find the support that they need and that they can be themselves when they get there. What is something you think you or your organization should stop doing? Saying yes to everything. We're a young organization. We love to collaborate, and sometimes we just have to say no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you had a Harry Potter wand for the industry and you could change one thing about the way people do things or tools they use or their approaches, uh, what would you what would you do with that wand? Um, I would have there be more of an emphasis on project management, um, setting clear and measurable goals in all aspects of our work, not just IT projects, but project management can really be implemented across the organization, programs, development, marketing, communications, et cetera. 
if you could jump in the hot tub time machine and talk to young Joe just joining the uh, the True Colors Fund, what um what would you tell that guy? Um, I would say uh, don't stress out um, if you don't know everything that you think you should know because everyone's in the same boat. We're all learning as we go along. Um, not many people were properly trained to do what we're doing. So be kind to yourself. I love it. All right. Uh, as a final here, how do people find you and how do people help you? Uh, definitely visit our website, truecolorsfund.org. Um, you can also catch us on Twitter and Facebook, uh, username True Colors Fund. And we just got on Instagram again at True Colors Fund. Check it out. Brilliant. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. I think a tremendous amount of resources, lots of homework for people to do. Um, and have a good one. Good luck conquering the world. Thanks for having me. So here's your big takeaway. Like we said at the beginning, time is a resource and this is how you make more of it. You find the tasks that should be automated, that could be automated. And then you use some of the tools that Joe was talking about here. Now, obviously you've got a lot on your plate. And by the way, thanks for spending some time listening to us. And it's tough to prioritize this type of managing worse before better type of task, managing the type of thing that will actually save you time over the course of, you know, three months, as opposed to right now where it takes up time. Don't be fooled by those type of tasks. And actually, those are the ones that you want to prioritize, the ones with the highest yield. So not necessarily things that are that are urgent and burning fires, but the things that will prevent fires in the months to come. Do take some time and play with these. You'll find all the links uh, in the show notes. Uh, this is episode number 53. And as always, thanks for joining us. Hope it helped you. This has been Using the Whole Whale. For more resources on today's show, please visit wholewhale.com slash podcast and consider following us on Twitter at wholewhale. And thanks for joining us. Today's music by Greg Thomas and his site, gregthomasmusic.org. Go check him out. He's awesome.